0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: We should seek wisdom from above. Proverbs 3 says, in all your ways acknowledge God and He will direct your steps. We have access to the throne of grace in our time of need. God makes Himself available to us. The God of the universe who created you, who knows you better than you know yourself. He makes himself available to us, to help us and guide us, lead us.
0: Life is filled with decisions every single day. Some of them are simpler, like what to wear or what to make for dinner. But some are harder. Do I take that new job? Do I propose to my girlfriend? In today's message, Pastor Dan is going to remind you that in every decision you face, you have access to the God of the universe. The one who made you and has a plan for you has made himself available to you every moment of every day. So, what difficult decisions are you facing? Bring them to the Lord right now. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Joseph was careful to obey the law of Moses. Doesn't mean that he was a nice guy, which he he was, but it means he was careful to obey the law of Moses. Well, what does the law of Moses tell us should happen? Well, if you're taking notes, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23 says uh, that Mary should be publicly stoned to death for adultery. That's what the law says. And Joseph is a just man. He's careful about keeping the law. The law says Mary should be stoned to death. God feels very strongly against sexual immorality before marriage and infidelity in a marriage. And the law says Mary should be stoned to death for adultery. Joseph was a just man. He's careful to obey the law of God. That's what the law says he should do. But Joseph doesn't want to make her a public example. He doesn't want to put Mary to death. So Joseph now finds himself torn between obeying the command of God and his love for his wife, Mary. So what does Joseph do? Look at the text. Joseph decides instead of publicly stoning Mary for adultery, he will put her away secretly or put her away privately, divorce her privately. In that time, you could have a private divorce Where you gave a letter of divorce to your wife in the presence of of two witnesses. And and you didn't have to state a reason for the divorce. This is Deuteronomy 24. The husband could just say, I've found something unfavorable in her. And not really give a reason. Now in a few months, when Mary's pregnancy is showing... It will be obvious to everyone why Joseph ended the marriage. But, but for right now, again, he doesn't have the rest of the story at this point. For right now, he wants to just divorce her secretly and not give a reason, even though he knows she's committed adultery, but he doesn't want to put her to death. So he's just going to divorce her secretly, quietly, and not give a reason for it. And listen, listen to me, give me your attention. By handling it this way, Joseph makes himself the bad guy. Joseph makes himself the bad guy. Joseph makes himself the jerk. Who divorced sweet Mary for no apparent reason at all. Or so it seems at this point. Joseph, I want you to think about Joseph here and what he's doing. Joseph believed Mary had been unfaithful, that she was pregnant by another man. The law says Joseph has a right to to make a public example of Mary and have her put to death. But Joseph chose to take the blame for the divorce and take the shame and take the hit to his reputation to shield Mary. After what she's done in his mind, again, he doesn't know the rest of the story. He's willing to shield her. Joseph was a good man. What does the Bible say? Love covers sin. Love covers sin instead of exposing sin. And here Joseph chooses to cover Mary's sin instead of exposing her sin publicly. And by the way, that's what our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, has done for us. He has covered our sin. Jesus took all of our sin upon himself on the cross. He took all of our guilt, all of our shame as our substitute in our place. Condemned, he stood. He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was despised and rejected for us. To shield us. To cover us. To protect us. Now, verse 20 says, but while he thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You know, Joseph is, is still thinking this thing over. It's churning in his mind. You know how that gets like on. You just can't get it out of your mind, which we can't even imagine what this like. What this is like for Joseph in the situation he finds himself in. You know, when we go through difficulties and difficult situations where we aren't sure what to do, that's when we should pray. That's when we should seek the Lord for guidance. That's when we should search the scriptures. That's when we should wait upon the Lord to guide us. James 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We should seek wisdom. From above, Proverbs 3 says, in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your steps. We have access to the throne of grace in our time of need. God makes himself available to us, the God of the universe who created you. Who knows you better than you know yourself, he makes himself available to us to help us and guide us and lead us. So Joseph was pondering these things, thinking about these things. And in the night, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, four times the Lord communicated to Joseph through dreams. Uh, Here, the angel tells him Mary's story is is true. We're going to see in chapter 2, an angel appears to him in a dream to tell him to flee with his family to Egypt. And then an angel appears to him in a dream to tell him it's safe to return from Egypt back to Israel. And then an angel appears to him in a dream to tell Joseph to settle in the Galilee. Joseph's being guided by dreams. God can communicate and direct us through through dreams. Now, notice what the angel says. When the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, the angel said, Joseph, son of David. Now, as we discussed last week, when we were looking at the genealogy, Joseph is in the royal line of David. He's the son of David. But uh, there has not been a, a person from the family of David sitting on the throne of Israel for over 500 years. And it's likely that Joseph has never been called the son of David before. But This angel says, Joseph, the son of David. And then he says, don't be afraid to take to you, Mary your wife. Now, why does the angel say that? Because Joseph was afraid to stay in the marriage. He believed Mary had been unfaithful to him. The child's not his. And besides that, if Joseph stays in the marriage, people will think the child is his. And that Joseph got Mary pregnant before their marriage ceremony. And that Joseph has been immoral. Joseph's a just man. He's careful to keep the law of God. And he's fearful of what people might think of him and how it will injure his reputation if they think that the child belongs to him, which, by the way, that is what people thought. John chapter eight, verse forty one tells us that that Jesus was in this heated back and forth with the religious leaders. And then at some point in the exchange, the religious leaders said to Jesus, well, at least we weren't born of fornication implying Jesus was born of fornication. So this is going to injure his reputation. This is going to be a stain on Joseph's reputation. The angel here assured Joseph, don't be afraid that that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. What she told you, Joseph, is true. Her story is true. Verse 21, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. His name states his mission. The reason why he came. You will call his name Jesus for. Here's why. Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins. This is the number one reason he came to save us from our sins. The Bible says we all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. No matter how good you may be, you're not good enough to get into heaven on your own goodness or your own merit. Jesus came to save us. He came to rescue us. In first John, chapter three, verse five, it says Jesus came to take away our sins. And he did this through the cross, through his death on the cross for us. or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it.
0: Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message.
1: In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He came to save us. That's his mission. His method, the cross. His shed blood takes away our sins. So verse 22 goes on. We're told now that all of this was done. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, behold, behold. The virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, note the phrase that it might be fulfilled. We're going to see that phrase several times in the Gospel of Matthew. Remember, Matthew quotes the Old Testament over a 100 times more than any other New Testament writer. And he quotes the Old Testament. So often because he's showing us that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah and the king of the Jews that was promised in the Old Testament. And so he quotes here about the birth of Jesus from Isaiah. You know, the virgin birth was predicted in the Old Testament. It's inferred in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first prediction, first prophecy in the Bible that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. That tells us there's going to be something unusual about his birth. So it's inferred there. It's also inferred in the story of the curse of Jeconiah. Remember that from last week? Jeconiah's in the line of David, but then he's cursed by God in Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 30. And none of his descendants can sit on the throne of David after Jeconiah. So there's an issue there that needs to be resolved. And the solution to the Jeconiah issue is the virgin birth. So it's inferred there with the story of Jeconiah, that something unusual is going to have to take place for a descendant of Jeconiah to sit on the throne of David after this curse. Here in verse 23, we're told that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of this prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And by the way, in the New Testament, when it talks about the virgin birth, the word that it uses for virgin can only mean virgin. It does not mean a young girl or a young woman. It can only mean a virgin. The virgin shall bear a child. The virgin shall be with child and bear a son. The virgin birth, listen, the virgin birth is an essential doctrine of Christianity. What do I mean by that? I mean, it must be true for Jesus to be our savior. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, Jesus cannot be our savior. He cannot save us from our sins. If he is not virgin born, we are all still dead in our trespasses and sins and without hope. It is essential for salvation. Why must the virgin birth be true? Well, Romans chapter five, beginning in verse 12, it tells us that sin entered the world through the first man, Adam, and death. Through his sin. And then it goes on to tell us that the sin nature of Adam was passed to all human beings. So all human beings die because all human beings sin. The supernatural virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It broke the chain of sin that was passed from Adam to all people. Because of his virgin birth, Jesus did not inherit the sin nature of Adam. Jesus was without sin or even the desire for sin. He had no sin nature at all. Jesus was not merely moral or good or had some kind of really heightened level of self-control. The Bible says he was sinless. He didn't have the sin nature. He, he was perfect. And because he was sinless, he can represent us Before a holy God. If Jesus were not born of a virgin. Then he inherited the same sin nature. That you and I have. And that means he's a sinner. Just like you and me. And a sinner can't save a sinner. A sinner can't save a sinner. He was born of a virgin. So that he is without sin. He breaks that chain. From Adam that passes to all mankind. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says that Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 1 John 3 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. In him there is no sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For God made him who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, and he became sin for us. He took all of our sin upon himself, and he became our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ is the only way to account the sinless life of Jesus that he lived. The greatest evidence of the virgin birth and his deity is his life. The perfect life that he lived. You know, someone can claim to be born of a virgin. You could make that claim. I could make that claim. Anyone could claim to be born of a virgin. Well, let's see their perfect sinless life that shows that they didn't inherit the sin nature of Adam. Jesus is the only sinless one. Now look at the end of verse 23. It says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Jesus was, this is what the Bible teaches. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was God in the flesh. He was more than human, more than just a moral person or a good teacher. He was God incarnate, Emmanuel. God with us. The deity of Jesus Christ is also an essential doctrine of Christianity. Jesus must be God to be our savior. If he's not God, he's not our savior. He can't save us. Why? The Bible says our sins separate us from God. And there's nothing that we can do to bridge that separation between us and God. If Jesus is only a man and not God, he can't bridge that separation any more than you can or I can. The only way we can be reconciled to God is for God to build a bridge across that gap of separation. For God to come down to us, we can't go up to God through our works or our deeds or our morality The only way is for God to come down to us. And that's exactly what God did. God became a man in Jesus Christ to bridge the divide between us and God. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife. So Joseph immediately obeyed the Lord and stayed in this marriage to Mary, continued with the betrothal, and then the marriage ceremony. And then verse 25, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph restrained himself sexually until... After Mary gave birth to, notice, her firstborn son, Mary did not remain a virgin. Jesus was not her only son. The Gospels list four sons by name and at least two daughters born to Joseph and Mary after the birth of Jesus. The New Testament books of James and Jude were penned by the half-brothers of Jesus that were born to Joseph and Mary. So this this short little passage here that's <laughs> at the end of chapter 1 has some pretty important doctrinal truths. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's come down from heaven. He's born of a virgin to save his people from their sins. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. God is always with us. And, and every situation, every circumstance, God is always with us, no matter what we may go through. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's Emmanuel. He's always with us, Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for. The fact that you came down, Lord, to save us. We thank you that you became a man and you dwelt among us and. You offered yourself on the cross to save us, Lord. To provide salvation to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who's bridged the gap. Between us and heaven. We thank you that it's not it's not up to us to bridge that gap, Lord. That you and your love and your mercy and your grace, you came down to us to bridge the gap. We thank you for that today. In Jesus name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, rings truer than the finest crystal.
0: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This is a book that may cause you to be curious about the history before and also what comes after. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-giving scripture they might not hear elsewhere. What an opportunity to reach people who are lost and without hope in the world. We'd be grateful for your prayers as the word is going out through these messages. If you'd like some specifics, we'd ask that you pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would have more and more souls join Him because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today and for praying. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to CalvaryEC.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on in the book of Matthew, right here on Ring of Truth. and I recognize the hands that